I remember my grandmother's smile, a glow like the warmth of sun turning honey to liquid sweetness, or the shy sun peeking out from behind a cloud to let you know warm days are surely coming. Hello and welcome, welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. This podcast is for and about women of colour and our relationship with nature. Hosted by me, Cherie Mack. The Earth Sea Love Podcast is committed to exploring the experiences of women of colour with Mother Nature. We want to provide spaces where the hidden voices in the environmental and conservation conversations can explore their relationship with the natural world. Inspired by our time spent outdoors, we amplify the voices of women of colour, our stories, our conversations, interviews, photography, writing and artwork. We'll be exploring our legacies, histories and memories which have had an influence and effect upon how we perceive ourselves within the natural world and within the environmental and climate justice movements. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. The Earth Sea Love Podcast has been made possible by the funding from National Lottery Heritage Fund. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to the Earth Sea Love podcast season three and here is part two of the mini series where we're exploring Blended, the new participatory workbook created by Velda Thomas and that's who you heard at the beginning of this podcast, Velda reading part one of Mammy and this episode we're going to be exploring part one and part two of the extracts that Velda will be reading within the um, podcast around the figure, stereotypical figure, the deconstructed of the figure Mammy and I first came into knowledge of Mammy, and I'm using um, inverted commas here, quote unquote Mammy, um, was when I was actually doing my PhD. And it was one of the stereotypes that was thrown up about the black woman from 
from time. There was the Mami, there was the Sapphire, there was the Jezebel. Um, and I'm not sure what the other one was, but when I think about the Mami, I always think of that Nina Simone song, For Women. We know these are constructs that have been created to keep black women in their place, um, to use and exploit them. And again, these extracts that um, Velda have created that were in this book really get to not just the stereotypical meanings or constructs, but on a personal level and how Mammy, the figure, has um, permeated Velda's family and life. So I'm not going to say much more. I'm just going to say, let's just get in and um, listen to these two extracts being read um, and also the discussion around it and the writing process. Enjoy. Thanks for coming back again to listen to the Earth Sea Love. Mammy, part one of four. Nancy Agnes Elfrida Jeffrey was all-black matriarch and my grandmother. I called her Nanny. All the adults around me called her Mammy. Her own children called her Mammy. Her husband called her Mammy. In my youth, I accepted this as my grandmother's other name. There was even an endearing quality to the ear when people called out to her, Mammy? I remember my grandmother's smile, a glow like the warmth of sun turning honey to liquid sweetness, or the shy sun peeking out from behind a cloud to let you know warm days are surely coming. I remember Elfrida's hymn and hum as she cleaned the house, did laundry, and herded her grandchildren, us hanging on to her apron strings day in and day out. I remember laying my head on her pillow-like thighs, enveloped into her softness, the smell of baking lingering on her apron as she hummed me to rest with her enduring love. I remember being locked between her strong knees for the dreaded daily hair-combing routine my tender head crying out to meet her response. Child, beauty is pain. Nancy had superpowers with fire, heat of discipline from her eyes that stopped me from continuing my childish naughtiness. Truly, she possessed spider senses and eyes in the back of her head. With one look, I was burned into submission. I remember Agnes's fondness for Jim Reeves' country music, wrestling, rum, chicken, bright-colored flowers, and her family. Her family. Her family. Mrs. Thomas had faith. Hours of devotion in church accumulated into years. Dressed to the nines, I helped choose which Sunday fancy hat she'd wear from her wardrobe of many. 
watching her hit the ground in prayer, possessed by the Holy Spirit, hearing her speak out in tongues was a natural occurrence for me. I remember the day she told me she had nurtured white people's children for money. Those people called her Mammy. Willingly, she gave them her unconditional love and comfort. The trauma of her life became visible in her brokenness. Sitting quietly in an armchair for hours, rocking back and forth, hugging herself, she began to disappear before my eyes. Mental illness brought rage, mood swings, and hurtful verbal outbursts towards those who she loved the most. Eventually hospitalized and medicated to become a shell of her former self, dementia set in. All the joy used up, gone, poof. Life numbed for her final days. The woman I describe here was so much more than a construct caricature called Mammy. Nancy Agnes Elfrida Jeffrey was mine. A part of the conduit for my being here. I lay in her womb, too. We still continually reach for each other. She from the other side, me towards her from this physical reality, where she willingly now embodies the role of my spiritual matriarchal ancestor, Nancy Agnes Elfrida Jeffrey. Mm. This starts with the repeated, yeah, it's re repeated, mommy, mommy, mommy. But what you actually do is bring, bring the, the human being that's behind that name, that term. And you, you call Nancy um, a num all her different names throughout this piece at different mm -hmm. times. And what, what came up for me was the idea of naming and names mm -hmm. and taking back that power. Um, because if we know with um, with the Africans that were enslaved, the, the first thing they lost was their names, their given names. And they were mm -hmm. just, if they were given a name, it would be, you know, John, Mary, some generic name or even a number or just X. So I mm -hmm. thought it was really important that you used your you know, your grandmother's names throughout this piece. Yeah. And again, you mentioned the body. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. memory. Mm -hmm. um, and how does the womb again there, how you lay in her womb. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think it speaks to how unresolved trauma can play out in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. How, how what happens when we stuff our emotions you know we become ill whether we're spiritually ill mentally ill physically ill mm -hmm. yeah and you got that visit the trauma of her life becomes visible in her brokenness yeah sitting quietly in that armchair for hours rocking back and forth mm -hmm. looking at herself 
and you know, if you do a little bit of research about prana, you you will learn about the soothing mechanisms, yeah. rocking, humming, our, our methods of trying to soothe ourselves. Yeah, no, because yeah. I, I mean, you know, trauma, trauma comes up a lot for me in my in my work, my writing, um, the the mem the mixed genre me- memoir that I'm creating, because mm-hmm. as we were saying, and th- as this is is showing so so beautifully in your writing, but also the pain is there. You know, it's sort yeah. of hand in hand. It's that mm-hmm. I- it is that idea of that generational trauma. I can only go back to West Africa. You know, I might know Sierra Leone or Ghana is where my my people come from, say, but I don't know those individuals. I don't know their names and how they traveled across the sea to the Caribbean and were enslaved. But what they went through as individuals and as a collective group of people, a nation, that is something we carry within our bodies now. Absolutely. And it's trying to explain that or show that or acknowledge that to us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that um, sometimes I say, I say about, I mean, part of the process of, of this writing is, recognizing I, I on patreon i've written a lot about trauma also and the title of each of the pieces is this too belongs because because i feel like what happens with experiences is we want to start them and we want them to go away but actually what needs to happen is they need to be embraced into the totality and wholeness of our being we have space in our body for it all and i believe that when we when we realize that we can we can also have trauma and be healthy yeah it's really important that that we kind of like so what I said what I have done in my process is use that phrase this too belongs to me it, it you know my grandmother's trauma also belongs to me mm-hmm. and I also feel to a certain extent like I am the link in the ancestral lineage when I envision you know hundreds of bodies going back and hundreds of bodies into the future future generations and past generations yeah 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 and in an energetic in terms of energetic pattern mammy part two of four the other at your service mammy is a homely happy slave ebony skinned fat woman with large breasts, wearing a maid's uniform, a gingham kerchief to cover her unkempt head of hair. White imagination says that she was more dedicated to her white family than her own kin. Bullshit. Mammy was deemed a house slave, white property only suitable for long hours of domestic work. The other, do-it-all mammy, maid, cook, fixer, caregiver, listener, cleaner, 
wet nurse, Aunt Jemima, Beulah, Delilah. White Imagination says that she joyfully labored long and hard while singing her daily slave contentment song with a smile on her face. Bullshit! Mammy used her body to curate an invisible holding pen big enough for everyone to dump their suffering in. The other suck it up, Mammy, renamed by the house, then portrayed as simple and illiterate, speaking unrefined, broken English, full of religious fervor and old-time superstitions, appearing utterly content to do her white family's bidding. White imagination dictated that she maintain good humor as long as her good fortune remained to belong to systemic oppression. Bullshit. Mammy is where Antebellum's black female slave was placed to exist in the illusion of safety. The other sex slave Mammy would never be exotic, clever, beautiful, powerful, and cultured. Her wild essence is forbidden except to pleasure another. Rejecting the attention of the oppressor is a punishable crime. White imagination says that white dominance had the right to enact desires in order to remain intact and secure by any means necessary. Bullshit! The mistress of the house needed to use Mammy's magic for her desires, too. Black women have exhibited enough bandwidth to face hatred and unconditionally demonstrate love, holding polarity perfectly in one palm. Black women are exhausted. Black women are accustomed to silent requests for unpaid invisible labor. Keeping the status quo so those around them experience ease and comfort. Systems in place make it impossible to stop performing free labor that takes a toll on frayed emotions. Piling more of a load upon an already trauma-laden nervous system. Ancestral, generational, physical, emotional, and trauma is this what holding the title Mammy means? Bullshit! Mammy is also a testament to the black human spirit. As a people, we made it through abusive hatred while somehow managing to channel rage into creative brilliance without burning everything to the ground, all while building new spiritual pathways to thrive. There is pride in Mammy's survival and evolution. Mammy part two. I very much see this part talking back to the stereotype of that construct of the Mammy. And it actually tickles me. It makes me smile, this one, because of that use of bullshit, that repeated use of bullshit when you're you're stating the other mammy or this mammy the different um multifaceted mm-hmm. parts of that stereotype of the man and i see that bullshit of you actually emitting anger um and rage at that 
that construction yeah. of the mummy. Is that is that am I being fair in saying that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, even just listening to it again there, it's like I feel my gut kind of clench a little bit. And I'm like, oh yeah, because Mammy is so much more than any and all constructs. Um, you know, black women are individual, <clears throat> black women are beautiful, black women are successful. And I think that I think I think there is a lot to be angry about and the kind of show about that it hasn't been yeah. Sorry, Velda, you're breaking up there. I think you were saying that it's not okay. It, it hasn't been, I mean, I, I think for all people, it's not acceptable, it's not acceptable, socially acceptable to show anger and rage, particularly if it's destructive and harmful to others. Mm. Um, so I think that, you know, how, how do we process the rage and the anger that we have about the wounds of the past? It's I do think a lot of the time we swallow it, we internalize it, we um, take that. If we're thinking about anger and rage as a destructive quality, but also it can be in a, a creative quality. But when it's not released in a manageable way or in a creative way, we do swallow it and it does cause harm to ourselves, don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely, no question. You know, the, the stuffing of negative emotion or or positive emotions. Um, yeah, it's it's not a healthy thing to do. So for me, this into peace. Uh, obviously, still I can feel it in my gut when I hear it. Yeah, because it's still true. It's yeah. still true that Mammy is has been all that and she is so much more so it's it's a the past feel like living with so much polarity sometimes mm. yeah and you mentioned in this bit the, the white imagination um and it's almost a refrain within this part and the power that this white imagination holds um are you back there? I'm back. <laughs> I was talking about the I white didn't... imagination. Oh my gosh, you know what? I mean? it's, uh, like, it's like it's okay. It's 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 almost as if we're not we're not supposed to be having these conversations, you know. I tell you, I tell you, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what I was gonna say is that you know, like like, I, I want to say that, like, white people in themselves are wrong. I feel like it's the constructs that have been created and the hatred that has been enacted that is absolutely wrong. Mm. And dangerous. And, I, I, and dangerous. And I believe that now, you know, like you were saying even earlier on in our conversation, this kind of, like, trend towards, like, what does it mean to be anti-racist? Mm. Um, I mean, it's a lot of unpacking, and and I think this piece in particular speaks to that. Mm. It speaks to the the complexity of the layers of unpacking. The piece about you know 
Mammy was the, the sex slave to the slave master, but she was also needed by the mistress. Her body was needed by the mistress. So it, it's like, um, it's so complicated and, and uh, it's hard to be with. It's hard to be with all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that bit because that, you know, again, hearing it another time, um, that was a an image that stuck with me the mistress of the house needed the use of mammy's magic for her desires too there's not enough I don't think not enough said or brought out about the mistress of the house and her (laughs) position within that whole complex relationship system of enslavement and forced reproduction or forced rape um exploitation and how in a certain extent it it let the the mistress of the house off the hook for certain things that she might have had to do because of her duty but then also the flip side is that she still had that jealousy towards towards the black woman's body as if the black woman had a choice within right warp yeah dangerous yeah, it's when you when you actually think about some of the things that really happened in real time, not so long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's bewildering to think that human beings could treat one another in that way. Even even the having a conversation with somebody, and she said that she was explaining to her children, who were probably under ten years old. Um, about slavery and could not grasp that a person would could or would want to own another person mm-hmm. like how is that even possible yeah. you know and i think that's actually the truth of it it's like it's a it's crazy it is and and it's a it's a human it, you know this is where i really feel like you know it's not always about black and white it's really about how do we be more human what does it mean to be a human being and and you know i think what it means in this context talking about this particular piece of writing is looking at where those things live in you yeah. and having the courage to explore them and and be with the discomfort of what that is because it's hard and it's not comfortable. It's like we can't move forward until we feel it. Yeah, we feel it, we acknowledge it, and we also have to share that in some place. You know, this whole this whole text blended that you created is you processing things in a very public way and showing the workings or the processes and the progress that you're going through and I just don't think there's enough people doing that in a public way and showing you know showing the beauty but then also the flaws and the mistakes and the failures because it is about that vulnerability a number of things here is like what you just said at the end of this section you've got that reflection in those reflection questions so it is a collaborative process with you and um, the reader and you've got two questions what comes of hatred and how does love transform evil and I think that so feeds into what you're saying about looking for these these things within ourselves we all have hatred within ourselves absolutely absolutely and sometimes it's valid 
sometimes mm-hmm. we've been caused harm and it's valid mm-hmm. at the time and it's kind of like you know how do we i mean the other thing is you know how do we move and i think we may have even talked about this before you know how do we move towards forgiving ourselves for participating and forgiving others for doing harm yeah yeah you know i sometimes talk about how you know the reason that we are here as descendants of slaves is because the, because of the strength of mammy and the strength of those uh, field workers and and whatever they did they were not the ones that jumped over the edge of the ship and decided to die mm-hmm. they were the ones that said i believe in the future mm-hmm. i don't know what's coming but i believe in the future so i think that um that's also a potent as black people that's a potent thing to carry with you that your ancestors transcended yeah yeah and transformed a really harrowing experience into something that they could live with and move forward with and I do think that you know you said how does love transform evil and I do think the mammy mammy had to love herself she had to love herself through all that evil and hatredness mm-hmm. and suffering mm-hmm. and pain. She had to. Yeah. She had to. And she had to. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so important. You know, we're talking about it's so important that as, as a people, we love one another and we give one another a little bit of grace for mm-hmm. all of the suffering that's happened for generations that's still within us that that we kind of you know we don't jump to conclusions to kind of cancel or you know kind of um push someone away when they're behaving a certain way because there's reasons there's reasons yeah there is there is there's such a powerful image within this part which is Mm -hmm. well mammy used her body to curate an invisible holding pen big enough for everyone to dump their suffering in. And that Mm -hmm. just speaks directly to what you said. But then also I want to look at this as a strong image within this piece and Mm -hmm. how I found through experience, black writing, you know, writing from people of color is usually um, looked upon for the political statements or the social things that they're saying. And very Mm -hmm. little energy and time is spent on looking and exploring how how we actually write the styles and the tone and the aesthetics mm-hmm. and the devices that we used within mm-hmm. within our writing to make our point or to make it actually to make it more um, palatable in a sense because what we what we are we write about is suffering is trauma but we right. write in a way that we actually we can create some beauty around it and we can you know it there's an art there is an art in it we are creative devices and I just um love to explore a little bit within your work where you are using powerful images Mm -hmm. to to connect on a a soulful level on a heart level um so there's that image but then also you're playful with the language because later on Mm -hmm. you've got trauma 
T-R-A-U-M-A. But then also you say promo. So E-R-A-U-M-O-R-E. And that, seeing that, hearing that, that was a a gut punch to me. It spoke to me. I totally understood it as a black woman. So I'm just just like throwing this in there because like we're talking about the content, but also I'm I'm interested in how, how you created these pieces. What was your process? Um, Yeah. Well, the the first thing that actually happened at the beginning was I had this idea that I wanted to write a tribute to my grandmother, which is the first one. Um, And I had, I I started off there and then I put a post out on Instagram that was a mistake. It was, it it could have been catastrophic, but I, for some reason, I wasn't too faced by it that I had just copy and pasted something that was completely unedited. And the response from my uh, Patreon audience was, it would be really interesting if you could explore that more because it means something to us. So I took that to heart and I would say that, you know, I really feel like these Mammy pieces are kind of the heart of the book and they're, they were very challenging to write. I had to do, I had to check in with my body constantly. I had to walk a lot. I had to, to be with it as I was uncovering what was living in my body. You know, in this Mammy 2 piece, it's almost like I imagined like a preacher standing at a pulpit because as Black people, we are beautiful orators. And I imagine that that kind of a character coming forth, standing at a pulpit, preaching to an audience of people that kind of deconstructing this character and giving this character more voice, more space. You know, part of the thing I I feel like is, you know, as a writer in my body, like, like talking about the holding pen, I have space for so much and I have capacity for so much. We all do. And I think as, as black people, we can expand or we can contract. So, so this writing was a process of expanding to um, hold all of the trauma in my body and express it. For me, the use of the, you know, I love metaphors and I love kind of, I do love to play with words and find, find other ways to relate to them. But most of all, I think, I really want my writing to encourage people to feel something and to, to sit with it and then to evolve with it. Mm-hmm. And, and part of the reason that this book is a participatory notebook is because sometimes when, when we're trying to process these things, it's exhausting. So it's kind of giving people the time to have a reflection process within the pieces to just say, pause a minute with that content, go back, read it again, see how you feel about it, take a walk, come back to it again. And then maybe you can write or draw or collage or paint something on that blank page that helps you to, to be with it because it's challenging. Mm. Yeah. Does that answer your question a little yeah, bit? Yeah, no, it does. It does because okay. it is difficult writing this stuff, but it needs to be done. And at the same mm-hmm. time, we get it out. 
I work on image or a comparison to make it accessible to other people. So it's not as, it's not as raw as it came out for me. I needed to get it out that way, but then Mm -hmm. um, I've got, when I come back to it, I've got that distance in a sense. So I can think, right, Mm -hmm. I know this is saying this to me and I need to maybe strip back that rawness or that harshness in a certain way. So I can, I can make it more palatable to the reader, you know, and that's something that I'm thinking about. And that's what I did a lot of the time in the past, but now I'm, I'm, I'm pulling back from that. I'm trying to find ways of presenting images and still have some of that harshness still there because I think it's needed. I think it's needed. And, and, you know, what you've got there is that um, black women are accustomed to silent requests for unpaid invisible labor. Um, And Mm -hmm. just got me um, nodding, nodding along. It's a harsh treatment of us, you know, to have requests again and again for us to do the work for other people. There was that time that I would just grin and bear it or even say thanks, you know. (laughs) Um, So now it is how I'm doing it on the page of um, bringing in more of that harshness and not trying to beautify it too much or palatable too much. That's given me permission to show up in my life with a bit more, and and I'm not going to say harshness, I'm a bit more authenticity, yet rightness for myself. Um, it um, might make you yeah. uncomfortable, but I'm sick of making my own self uncomfortable to make absolutely. You, if anybody you know in saying. the room is going to be uncomfortable, I always say, if anyone in the room is going to be uncomfortable, it's not going to be me. Yeah, I love you know that. because I, I I feel like our voices need to be we need to be unapologetic about where we're at. Mm. We are where we're at in our healing journey and we don't need to apologize for that at all. Mm. And I think that the, you know, the other thing about this being a participatory notebook is that sometimes when we're asked to process this content with white bodies, we're causing ourselves harm. The intention is not to re-traumatize anybody, but to have the anti-oppression work happen within the pages and that the text is something that gives somebody just enough of a jolt that that we're interrupting the cycle that we're kind of like just putting a stop in that circle and and saying hold on a minute let's think about this let's actually kind of really look and examine this in this way. And I think that, you know, poetry is so, I don't know whether this is really poetry. I don't know if that's the genre, but I feel like poetry in itself, you know, the use of image in language, in some way to me, it feels like it's through a certain barrier and lands in a place, in a person's heart or in their soul, in a place that sometimes you, you can't get to. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so that's, you know, other reason for kind of really trying. I, I mean, I feel like I am in essence, a lover of beauty anyway, mm-hmm. but, but, um, and the, and I see the value in beauty. So think about, you know, Mammy's body being a holding pen mm-hmm. for, for all, all of this suffering. Mm-hmm. And I think that, 
you know, that still is happening today. We're still identifying ourselves with trauma and pain. And, and we need to break that cycle as black people, as people of color. We need to be willing to express our joy and our power and, our, and be visible in that way. You know, it's almost like, you know, on social media, those are the things that, that people are attracted to. Suffering is attractive. It sells, right? So when we're in our joy, we don't get as much attention. Yeah, when, I think when we're together and we're in in our joy, in our pleasure, when we're breaking down the systems of colonization, when we're letting go of ideas, when we're actually kind of being with one another in our authenticity without um, social structures inhibiting us, that, that those are the places that I want to be comfortable in with black and brown and people of color, yeah. Yeah. And I want to encourage people to, to challenge the narrative Mommy has lived that her whole life is suffering because there's another side to that that's not who she is you've got mommy she's got this creative brilliance without burning everything to the ground and quote at the end all the while building for new spiritual pathways to thrive there is pride in mommy's survival and evolution and I think yeah. that that just feeds into what you were just saying there, that mm-hmm. there, there are other ways of being on the yeah. narratives that suffering, but in order to survive and thrive, there's that evolution. I think the evolution comes through those, those practices, the spiritual pathways that we have open to us and that we can tap into one of them yeah. being nature definitely um for me and um mm-hmm. I hope I were talking about mommy the stereotype but I hope the women who are behind this stereotype who the real women are w- within mm-hmm. this area had nature the land to tap into for for sustenance not just having to work it but having you know a connection with it which was speaking to their soul to their humanity in a sense yeah i I mean it it is kind of amazing that you know when you when you do feel that rage kind of burning inside of you there's two ways that you can go right you can actually say okay i'm just burning this place down like the movie django for example right Mm -hmm. um or you can take that rage and you can channel it future for you and I think that's what I see more of. I see that people are creative. They're sitting with it and they are creative, trying to find solution. I think that Black people have so much more capacity of that. that that's not that's not something that is that happen wide scale, you know. And I think that's a good a good place to to end for part two because yeah. we started with the rage and the anger, you know, going internally or outside. And I think there we've just touched upon it again. And you can burn it all down, destroy everything, or you could be using it, channel it into um, mm-hmm. a hopeful future. So I think that's a good place yeah. to end there. Thank you, Velda, Thanks. once again. Thank you.